Welcome to the Life Organized Podcast. I'm your host, Jenny Layton, and as the creator of both the Life Organized Podcast and the Life Organized Membership, I teach busy moms how to get organized, manage their time, and master their mindset. I'm a mom and wife too, so I know how overwhelming it can all be. But living an organized life means you don't have to sacrifice anything. With the right systems and tools, you can get your home and family running like a well-oiled machine and still have time for all the other things you love to do. If you're new here, DM me the word FAST on Instagram at JLTheHappyGal and I will send you my top tips to help you get organized fast. We'll cover clutter, time management, and give you empowering new perspectives that will make organizing your life so much easier. All right. Let's jump into today's episode. Hey, everyone. We want to welcome to the show today, Lari Palau. She is the owner of Simply Be Organized, and she has a podcast called This Organized Life, which I'm sure you can see we are really aligned in what we like to do with getting organized. So, Lari, welcome to the show. We're so happy to have you. I am so excited for this conversation. You have no idea. I've been actually looking forward to this one all week. Well, I think we're like sisters in our souls, you know, with what we like to do and how we approach things. So it's going to be a great conversation. For sure. So, all right. So, Laurie, introduce us um, to you, kind of what you do, who you are, how you got started, all the good stuff. Yeah, absolutely. And I'll give like the Cliff Notes version. Otherwise, we would be here and everyone would be like falling asleep. So (laughs) I'm sure it's Um, fascinating. Um, It's a long and windy road. But basically, I started a professional organizing business in 2009. um, And I say this because if anybody remembers, that was like the height of the recession and people thought I was crazy because like who starts a professional organizing luxury business when, you know, people are losing their jobs. And again, we can relate to kind of how we are today with people with economic crunches. And I say that for any entrepreneurs that are listening really to inspire them to say, if you're passionate about something, whether it's organizing or something else, like, and you feel like the calling is now go for it. So um, I started this business. I, at the time had two little kids. They're grown now, 19 and 22. Um, And I was just somebody who had created systems and strategies in my life and then saw that certain things came easy to me that other people were struggling with and saw an opportunity to basically kind of turn that into a business. And at the time, I kind of had minimal expectations, which was probably a good thing. Like I wanted to turn into a business, but I didn't have like these like crazy long plans. And I was just going to see where this journey took me. And, you know, fast forward over the years, I got into speaking and writing and back in the day, blogging when that was really big. And then in 2017, what was kind of a big pivotal year in my business because I started the podcast and um, I also started mentoring other professional organizers. I started kind of stepping away from as much on-site work and started going more into the speaking and kind of coaching model, if you will, which I know your people can relate to, but not so much coaching people on the organizing side, really coaching other people in the who wanted to build organizing businesses of how they could do it. Because I saw this need that there were so many people struggling with clutter. And I don't care what you say, there is not enough people out there doing this. So if anybody is listening, people are like, do you get worried about like competition? I'm like, heck, to the no, like the more people that want to help other people that are good at this, that enjoy this, there's 
10 people out there for every one, and I'm making new statistics up, you know, <laughs> that need help organizing. And so really kind of helping everybody. My mission is really to help everybody live a, a more simplistic life, not necessarily minimalist, but simple in the fact that there's so much other stuff and noise that we all deal with. If we can figure out ways to streamline our stuff, our time, all those things, um, hopefully we'll be happy, which is all about well, your jam. Right, right. That's what we do. Well, you know, preaching to the choir here, that's my platform as well is just, you know, organize yourself so that you can have a life you love. So I think we're really aligned with that. So I love that you're helping people do that. Um, it all comes down to just kind of that getting organized. But one of the things that fascinates me about you and the work that you do is you bring this personality aspect into getting organized, which I think is such a great conversation to have because everybody comes with a different background, different, you know, things that they like to do, different things that work for them. And to kind of take this one size fits all approach to getting organized can be really frustrating when it doesn't work for certain people. So we try to really accommodate for that in the Life Organized podcast and at the Happy Gal, you know, do what works for you. Don't feel like you have to do every step. Um, simplify where you need to, or, you know, feel free to make things uh, have more steps. But um, the idea of personality and just from the get-go understanding why certain things bother you, why certain things don't work for you, I think just helps eliminate a lot of chaos you know, at the very beginning. So, you know, talk to me about how you help your clients, your audience with this. Yeah. And I'm so glad that you brought it up and that we're able to kind of shine a spotlight on it because as I'm sure you've discussed with your people and you hear, there's a lot of shame and anxiety and frustration that comes with disorganization, whether that's disorganization of your time, whether that's your physical stuff, whatever that is. And so again, to me, I always treat clutter as the symptom right? Clutter, whether it's calendar clutter, which is what I call, you know, that being overscheduled or physical clutter, or maybe you're dealing with emotional clutter, all these other kind of layers. It's all the symptom of something else that's going on. And just like if you were to figure out a exercise plan or a weight loss plan, there's not a one size fits all. And so again, why would we apply just a one size fits all or like, approach to how we live our lives and how we organize and our home and our how our home should function. So I started doing years ago um in my past life I was an executive recruiter and so for 15 years I worked with people trying to figure out what motivated them for job change and for some people it was freedom to travel for some people it was more money for other people it was a work life balance so everybody had a different reason why and so again i had to approach kind of what i was looking for when i was i trying to find opportunities that made sense for them to what their motivation was and so when i started organizing that was kind of just the lane i went to because that was where i came from i didn't really even stop to think about it at the time but because it was just something that i did on autopilot but then i started realizing that not everybody did that and so what i felt was really important was to stop to give language and communicate because so much especially when it comes to clutter is this conflict that comes from the ambiguity. So for example, saying, you know, some people, it really stresses them out when they come in, there's a sink full of dishes and other people can walk by that and be like what I call clutter blind. And so it's not that 
one person is necessarily trying to spite somebody else or, you know, take somebody else for granted or whatever. It's we just see the world through different lenses and different pain points are different for different people. And so that always fascinated me. And so I've studied through the years, all different personality types. I've studied Gretchen Rubin. I've studied, like I said, Myers-Briggs and most recently, and I say recently in the past, like five to six years, I started studying the Enneagram, which is a personality typology that really looks at your unconscious motivation. So the why you do what you do, not just, oh, you're an introvert or you're an extrovert. It's why do you do the certain things? And so that has a direct correlation with the work that I do with figuring out kind of where your clutter pain points are. And so that's really how I've been integrating, looking at the different characteristics of each of the nine core Enneagram types. And again, we can kind of talk through that. I can answer any questions about that. And then saying, how does that, how does that show up in my world? Am I a control freak and I refuse to delegate? Am I somebody that is such a procrastinator? And why do I procrastinate? So really understanding a little bit more about and taking the time to really, I don't want to say analyze, that seems a bit extreme, but to really notice the behavior patterns that we have. Right. Well, and I feel like I'm just sensing this collective sigh of relief of everyone listening to this to just have an opportunity, like you said, to maybe take some of the shame out of clutter or disorganization, some of the frustration, some of the unknowns, because it can be really frustrating to not be able to understand why your spouse can walk right past the kitchen full, the sink full of dirty dishes and it doesn't bother them, but it drives you crazy or how the kids can leave socks on the floor or vice versa. You've got people in your family that really have high expectations and standards and you just don't care or, and, and you feel wrong for that. So I think this is going to be just a really nice conversation for people to be able to get a little bit of relief and validation that they everyone's doing the best they can and we're all coming from a place that's healthy and we just need to understand ourselves better. So I'm excited. So tell us more. Um, if let's pretend we've got, you know, people who have never heard of the Enneagram before, just kind of a really quick, you said it's, it kind of helps you understand your personality, the unconscious motivation. Is there anything else you want to tell us that you think would be good for us to understand? Yeah. So I'll just give a couple quick bullet points. So the Enneagram, everyone has one dominant number. So the, the beauty of the Enneagram is that there's a little bit of, again, there's nine core types and then there's all these like sub parts, but for, for all intents and purposes, don't even like worry yourself with that. There's nine core types. Everybody has one dominant type. Now, the beauty is, again, we've got connection points. There's a little bit of all of each type in all of us, but it's just how do they show up and when do they show up? And you learning your Enneagram type is, which is always one of the biggest questions is, how do I find out my type? Um, I'm going to give an unpopular answer because again, we're all this like, and I'm all about a quiz, like send me a quiz. Let me figure out my type. And there are quizzes and I will direct you to a free quiz if you want to take it, but I will caution you because the Enneagram is about motivation. A lot of times we answer things the way we behave and our behavior doesn't always lead in truth to the motivation behind it. Mm. So 
So really the best way to figure out your Enneagram type is to read up on all of the types, like each one of the nine types. And you can immediately be like, oh, that's not me. That's not me. Now there might be one that jumps out at you and you're like, that is me. But more often than not, most people are like, this could be me or this could be me. And you have a couple that you're different to choose from. Um, But if you do want to take a quiz, not paid by Truity, but T-R-U-I-T-Y, Truity.com. They, um, it's an online personality typology. But again, a lot of people mistype. So don't, I still encourage you, even if you take it and it says that you're a specific type, I encourage you, if you are interested, read up on all the types. Just give a little bit. You can go online, the Enneagram Institute. You don't have to, you know, if you want to read a book, I have tons of resources, but it's a really great way to just understand a little bit about who you are. And if you're married, like who your spouse is or your partner, or even, you know, that sounds like somebody, you're not really supposed to type people, but there's certain characteristics that stand out and are kind of tried and true. Well, I definitely think it's helpful to understand a little bit more of where people are coming from, because I'll have to tell you, I, it, as we were preparing for this interview, I actually did take an online um, Enneagram test to see what number I was. I was really curious. What did it say? <laughs> well, I'm a little nervous to tell you. It's kind of like you're going to see right into my soul. <laughs> You'll understand all these things about me, but it's fine. Um, so it, I was 79% a type one and 59% a type three. So. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Which, which, uh, which makes a lot of sense. And you know what, just to kind of, do we have like a couple minutes, I know to just kind of very top line brief run through each of the nine types so that people aren't like, what are all these numbers mean? So let me run through it. And then I'm going to leave everybody thinking with like a little homework question to kind of get some thoughts about their Enneagram type if they're not familiar with it. So the ones, we'll start with that, which is perfect because that's what you you typed as, are known as the perfectionist. So the ones are, their motivation is to be the, again, the best version of themselves, but their worth is tied to how, how much they can be, like, try to improve the world. And mm-hmm. so they are their own worst critic. Like ones are very hard on themselves. They've got a really strong inner critic that is always like telling them to do better. Ones often struggle with delegation because they want to get it done right. And they feel like they're the best ones to do it. So that the pitfall of the one is, you know, a lot of ones struggle with calendar clutter because they refuse to relinquish control and they have a really unrealistic standard for other people and even of themselves. And so a lot of times that's where one struggle, but obviously the, the ones are great people. You know, that they've got most ones have a great attention to detail. They're, you know, great on team projects, all these things, you know, like if you give something to a one, it's going to be done well, but they might revise it, revise it, revise it, revise it. And so again, um, but that's, that's in an, in and of itself, the characteristics of the one, um, the twos are known as the helper. And the helper, again, just like they would say, their their unconscious motivation is to kind of serve other people. So you think about, and again, there's a little bit of everything, each one of them in, in all of us. Ones are um, almost to the detriment of like putting themselves, they feel like their worth is tied to how they serve other people. And so they can struggle oftentimes with, having a hard time saying no to people because they feel like, you know, if someone asks me to do something, I have to do it. Um, And a lot of times it will come to the own detriment of 
you know, their own mental or physical well-being. This is what's so funny about telling you that I'm a one because I'm like, oh, she's going to just glimpse right into my soul and know all my things. So, oh, and again, <laughs> though, yeah, it's all good. And mm-hmm. and that's the other thing is, and, and you know, I'm going to, I'm going to continue on. There's no, people will say, is this a good, is this good or bad? Like there's no good or bad. There's healthy and unhealthy parts of all of our numbers. Right. And usually the best parts of us are also the worst parts of us. Right. Yeah. So like, a one's perfectionism is great because you know it's going to get done right, but it can also be their worst nightmare because they're struggling with perfectionism. A helper, who doesn't want to be a helper? But again, it could be to the degree of never carving out and prioritizing their own, right. you know, their own well-being. So again, there's no good or bad. It's just understanding who you are and a little right. bit about why you do what you do. And the other thing of it is, as we continue on, is none of the Enneagram types are an excuse for, you know, it's not like, oh, I'm a certain type. So I'm, this is why I'm difficult, or this is why I procrastinate. It just gives you context and it gives you language. And that's what I love about it is context and language. So you can have a little bit of grace and understanding of this is why I might struggle with this. This is why I might struggle with relinquishing control. But that means once you know it, in my opinion, now you have a responsibility to become aware of it and how can i how can i you know break those unhealthy habits and start to lean into the parts that are better for me i love that yeah i love that okay so since we opened the box just give us the really quick 3 4 5 yeah tell us what we're looking at yeah so the 3s are the achievers their work okay. is tied to their worth they are the opposite of the ones they are done is better than perfect they will find the most efficient way to get things done Okay, I have to interject and say that is so funny because one of the big quotes we use at Happy Gal is done is better than perfect. And that was my second strength. I was 79% a one and 57% a three. So that's well, really again, interesting. Knowing what you do, it would make comments, it would make sense for me that you would people think all the time I'm the one and I could not be further from a one. But uh-huh. on but I would answer certain questions very one-like because I am mm. a professional organizer. So it that's why I'm saying don't solely just go by the, t- it's it's helpful to learn a little bit about them. So that's three. Fours. Okay. Fours are the individualist. They're what you would call your stereotypical creative types. They are comfortable in the melancholy. They are very feeling dominant. And so a lot of fours, again, not like every type has to struggle with a certain area, but where fours can um, get into trouble is everything has meaning, everything has feeling. So you talk about people that struggle with emotional clutter and prioritizing things. Um, they're very, again, everything has a story. Everything is rich. They like see the world through texture. And so again, context, giving yourself that space. Um, fives, very analytical. They are the observer or the investigator. So if anyone's familiar with Gretchen Rubin's four tendencies, a lot of your questioners are going to be an observer because they are the people that knowledge is power and their worth is tied to knowledge. The more information I can gather, that's how I'm people see me for the knowledge that I have. They're the people that think about organizing. They read about organizing. They take a bunch of courses, but the execution is where they struggle. Right. Okay. So good to know. And I bet we're going to get into all of that. Yeah. Sixes 
are the loyalists. Sixes are, they are um, the most common type on the Enneagram. And they are your people that really their motivation is they want to feel safe. So fear is something that's an underlying thing. So fear and anxiety. There, a lot of sixes are your type that want that accountability partner. So you talk about people who are organized that are motivated to do it on themselves by themselves. And then you talk about people that really need that accountability partner, that buddy. And you can plug that in for working out or whatever. They're that person that wants that validation. Am I on the right track? So okay. because they doubt themselves. Okay, great. Sevens. Sevens are the enthusiast. They're all about fun and they see the world like half everything's glass half full, which is awesome, but they love adventure and trying new things. So they either are procrastinating because they don't, they'd rather be out doing something fun than doing the boring mundane, which so much of our maintenance is kind of that repetition and sevens by nature don't like that repetition. They want it to be new and exciting and fresh. Um, And then, but they can also struggle with physical clutter because they are like, they might like take a pickleball. So they'll buy everything pickleball. And then they take up another hobby and they'll buy that. Or now I'm into, you know, winemaking. So they buy all the things. So again, there's, that's, that's our sevens. I love that you use the pickleball example. My listeners know I'm a big pickleball player. So I, I saw that. that. I don't, yes. Um, <laughs> eights. I'm an eight. So eights are known as the challenger and eights are the, um, are, are, unconscious motivation is all about justice. We just want mm-hmm. the world to be a better place. We, we, I, we're the champion of the underdogs. Um, where eight struggle um, is we don't really access our feelings that much. We're very driven by action. So let's do, 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 which can barrel over people. Um, and when it comes to clutter and organization, we are intuitively... Again, probably a lot of eights, again, not all because they're not stereotyping, um, are good at the decision making because we'll make quick decisions, unlike other types that might ponder 10 different, you know, s- scenarios. Um, but where eights get into trouble is we don't always hold space for other people. And so if people aren't working at our speed of light, conflict can happen. So if you're an eight or you live with somebody who's an eight, you could see there's a lot of conflict because somebody else might be not living up to your own expectation. Interesting. Okay. I'm seeing some, like some of these in all of my family. This is just so fascinating. Okay. And I'm giving you guys like very, very top line, but just enough yeah. to just whet your appetite. Love it. And I'll round it out with the nines. Nines are known as the peace speakers and their unconscious motivation is to avoid conflict. So where eights get energy from conflict and I'm like, let's just talk it out. Nines are like conflict avoidant. And so they don't like having to make heavy decisions. Um, so again, when you think about clutter, if it if it's that decision fatigue, a nine will avoid it because it's like, I don't, I don't want to have to think about it. It's it's just too much. Um, they also nines are very go with the flow people by nature. So they might be inclined to be that type that can walk past the brick breakfast dishes because like, what's the big deal? So they'll get done. They'll get done when they get done. It's not a big deal. Don't sweat it. You know, it's not that deep. That's my daughter's a nine. That's just, it's not that deep. I'm like, "Hmm, what is it though? (laughs) So so there's great because they don't sweat the small stuff, but again, it can cause conflict because not everybody 
is as chill as they might be. Right, right. Okay, well, one of the things you said earlier that I think is so helpful at this point, as we've just gone through all of these, I'm sure everyone's minds are just spinning of what am I and what is my spouse and what are my kids and my dad and all of the different things is you said this is not an excuse. Understanding this is not an excuse. It's not like, a, oh, okay, well, this makes sense. I'm supposed to have clutter or I can't help it. This is just how I'm going to be. And so I think what you said earlier is it gives you context. It gives you language. It allows you to have grace for yourself. And I think the biggest word you use that I love is just awareness around all of this. Like that's a big thing we focus on in the Life Organized Membership and in this podcast is just once you have awareness around something, then you open the door to be able to make change that's going to help you because it's not fun to sit in clutter or it's not fun to sit in conflict or whatever that is that you struggle with with your type. So that just kind of opens the door for this clutter conversation of, you know, as a professional organizer working with the Enneagram types, how does this information help people kind of move past some of those blocks and be able to make progress in getting organized? It's a great question. So once you can understand a little bit about where you are struggling and have that language, you can then say, okay, what are the strategies that are going to work for me? Because a strategy that works for four, and I'll just speak in my own, in my own experience, even in my own home. So I have two girls, um, like they're like I said, they're bigs, 19 and 22. And my younger daughter is an Enneagram type four. And so she is very, very feeling dominant. And she also struggle. a lot of fours also struggle with like executive function. So that procedural processing, and she also has ADHD. So it could be a little bit of that ADHD. It could be a little bit of the four. We don't know. It doesn't really matter. But once you have that awareness of what the driver is, I know for her, I need to hold extra space for her to do it. So a job that might take me 15 minutes to do might take her 45. Right. You know, I'm going to build an extra time because white knuckling her to make a decision quickly is going to is going to be painful. And so my goal as I'm sure is with yours is you want to be teaching people these long-term sustainable systems that they can use well beyond sitting with you or sitting in your course that they can then take that and hear you in their mind and then make action. And so forcing somebody to do something that's counterintuitive to them is not going to be sustainable. So knowing I'm emotional, I'm going to, I'm, I'm, I'm going to give feelings to everything. I have to go down memory lane. I'm going to say, okay, this is who I am. So I know that this, this task is going to take me longer so when I'm looking at setting a realistic time frame to get something done, I need to buff, put in more buffer time. Isn't that, so that is just so brilliant. I think that just helps you avoid so many different issues. One of the uh, things that I teach on the Life Organized pa Podcast and in the membership is to have personal rules. So if you have just a, across the board, you know this about yourself create a rule about that so that when you're in that situation, there's no guesswork, there's no frustration, there's just, this is just how it is. And so I think just that I, I hear potential for personal rules in that, that you, once you understand something about yourself, you can give yourself more time. I have kind of an interesting example, obviously growing up, well, raising my family without, when they were young, without this information, I had one daughter that is very different from me. Um, I'm going to have to look through the numbers again to know what number I think she is. Maybe you can just peg it for me, but every, well, actually I think you said it's got to be fun. That's the enthusiast, right? All about fun. Okay. So that's her. And so then you've got me at a one slash three, wherever I fall. 
and trying to get her to clean her room. I'm like, just do it. And and this little voice in my head said, you need to make it fun. And I was like, I'm not making it fun. Cleaning doesn't need to be fun. We get the cleaning done and then we go have fun. And guess what? It did not go very well. And I've learned over the years that I just give her her space and she needs to make anything fun. And, and until it's fun, it's not getting done. And so I just think it's really helpful to know those things. And like I said, kind of have those personal rules around that. Yeah. And again, I think that's a brilliant, brilliant example. And trust me, I wish I knew the Enneagram when my kids were little because I would scream at them, just make a decision already. Or I would force them to do the like totally like everything of what not to do. I did. Right. And so I, but it, and I'm all about like, yeah, it, you just, there are things that we have to do and you suck it up, buttercup and do it. But if we want to see what is going to in encourage them what how is their brain going to make that connection of like if i'm going to do this this is something that we need to do how is the how is it going to be most effective for me to accomplish that because i look at the enneagram as we have the finish line over here right we all need to get to this destination whatever that destination is the clean room family dinners i don't care what it is but we have this common goal the path we're going to take to get there. Some people want to take the highway. Some people want to take a meandering back road and take the Sunday. As long as we're all on the same page of where we're going. And as long as you're here by two o'clock or you're here, but your room is clean by the end of the day, I don't care if you're listening to music and having a dance party while you do it, or you're just, you know, hunkering down and doing it. As long as we're all on the same page of what the goal is, the process can look different getting there. Okay. And so this is just making me think something I think would be really valuable to talk about is we've kind of got two separate scenarios happening here as we're talking about this, because we've got the, how do I motivate myself, which I think we should totally talk about. But what I hear kind of emerging is how do I work with other people so that we are all on the same page and I can give them that space. So I don't know, can you give us something, like I said, these are two different paths, but I think it would be great to talk about both of them. Yeah. Well, I think like anything, right? You Understanding yourself is always really helpful before you can go in there and try to air quote, fix somebody else, right? Or understand somebody else. So always starting with with yourself because that then you can lead by example and you can also have awareness of how you're coming across people. Again, like I had said, I'm an eight and I tend to bark orders because I'm a direct person and I don't mean it to be mean or bossy, but I just am not a beat around the bush person. Like I just value time. Like that's one of my core values is time. So I'm just going to tell it like it is. I don't mean that to hurt somebody's feelings, but that's just, I, I value that. Um, but other people don't. So understanding that about myself allows me to like, take, take a breath or recognize that not everybody responds positively to that. So I think learning about yourself is really key Um, and figuring out what are the areas that I'm struggling with? Where are my pitfalls? And then helping other people figure out who they are. You know, we all fall into this, um, especially as parents, right? We want to analyze our kids. We want to analyze our spouses. And, you know, that's a slippery slope. But again, I would be remiss to be like, don't do it because we're, we're all doing it you know, whether it's intentionally or unintentionally. Um, But the beauty of the Enneagram is really 
what's going on underneath the surface, right? So we could think based on their behavior that they might be this way, but the reason why, like, again, someone could easily look at me and go, well, she's an organizer. Her pantry's all, everything's, you know, organized and labeled and everything. She's a perfectionist. Well, there are certain things that, yes, I like order, but that's not my motivation for wanting to do it. So I think that's really important when you're going to help other people is letting them uncover who they are. And again, using those languages. Um, the other thing that I think is really important when you're talking about the Enneagram and trying to figure out who you are, this is kind of my little homework, is there are three, we all make decisions, whether through thoughts, through feelings, or through action, which is just whether you're familiar with the Enneagram or not, doesn't matter. We all either think, we think, feel, and do. The, those are how we move through the world. Each of the Enneagram types is dominant in one of those. So for a lot of people that are on the fence, I might be this or I might be this, I will ask them if there's if they know off the top of their head, like I make decisions based on my fill in the blank. And that will give me an indication of, well, there's three that are dominant in one, three are dominant in another, three are dominant in another. So I'll use you as a my guinea pig since sure. you're on the cusp between two. What do you feel your dominant center would be thinking, feeling, or doing? I'm a I'm a doer for sure. So I'm always. Is that what you're asking? Is kind of yeah. Like, like if you were to make a decision, like if you're going to do, like if you're if you were going to, is if you hear something, if someone tells you something, is your first reaction? What do I think about it? How do I feel about it? Or what am I going to do about it? I think it's probably what am I going to do about it? I I do take a lot of action. Yeah. Yes. And so again, knowing that you, if that, if that is not that you're not telling the truth, but I'm saying that would align with the ones because ones are mm -hmm. in that doing center that eights, nine and ones are doing center. So a lot of times people like where somebody be like, oh my God, I wear my heart on my sleeve. I am so emotional. Like I think about a lot of people or they're like, I'm in my head. I have to analyze everything. I have to think through everything before I make a decision. I don't ever just shoot from the hip. So that also gives you some indication of what group you would fall into. So interesting. I love that you gave us homework on the podcast. I kind of call it the so what moment. Like, okay, so we've talked all about all of this. So what? What are you going to do about it? And just to distill this conversation down into a takeaway of if I can at least understand, I make decisions based on blank thought, feeling, or action. I think that's going to be so valuable for listeners and just a really great introduction for them to understand how to make this work for them. So Thank you for telling us that. You know, the other thing I want to go back to that you said, um, the first thing that you want to do is we're talking about, you know, where do I go from here? Understanding my family, understanding myself. What do I do? It is so consistent with everything I like to talk about to say, start with yourself. And I think that's just such a tendency. A lot of listeners are women, not all, but I think that seems to be a tendency that you feel like you need to take care of everyone and fix everyone and make sure everyone's doing okay. But your whole power comes from that self-awareness and that understanding and being in a healthy place yourself. And so just kind of circling back to that, where do we go from here? Understanding yourself, starting with yourself and how you can be successful 
in life and with organizing and all the pieces will give you so much more compassion, right? So that when you do start helping your family or your friends or whoever understand who they are, like, you know what that feels like, you know what that journey's like, you're a lot more sensitive and you're in a good place yourself. And so it just makes everything so much more successful. Absolutely. Right, right. Okay, so what do we, okay, so where do we want to go from here, Laurie? What what do you want to let our audience know about in terms of, you know, we've we've got this takeaway, this so what, I make decisions based on thought, feeling, or action. If someone wants to take it to the next step, if they want to know how they really can kind of conquer this organizing challenge that they have based on their personality, you've you've got some things to help us with, right? Yeah, absolutely. And so again, it it, it starts with being able to have an understanding of where you're struggling. And I always tell people, write down the things that are stressing you out. What is it What is it that is that is causing you the anxiety? Is Are you somebody that like the physical space of if you walk into a crowded room, how does that make you feel? Or are you, is your calendar bursting with stuff and activities that you just can't say no to or that you are trouble having trouble delegating? And again, I know I'm, I'm, it's like a loaded gun, right? Like to a mom who's got multiple kids and you're running around, you're like, this is my life. This is the season of life I'm in. But I think it's helpful to articulate where the stress and anxiety and overwhelm is coming from. Because once we can start to name that, then it's like, how can we, we can start to pick it apart. I think we talk a lot of times in generalizations um, about I'm overwhelmed, I'm stressed, I need help. And it's great. However, that is so vague. It doesn't give you the specific of what do I need? What does help look like? And guess what? Help for a one is going to look very different than help for a seven. You know, somebody's going to want help, meaning I want you to take the kids and go out so I could spend the day decluttering or figuring, doing whatever I need to do. And somebody else help might mean... I need you to run the vacuum and do laundry while I do this. So I think being very specific is so helpful. And the Enneagram will help you, again, provide some like language around, oh, this is what resonates. Like you said with your daughter, like, oh, I need to, if I want the end result of her to do something, how can I make it make like meaningful for her? So that she's going to be like, oh, I get this. Like it, it connects the dots because otherwise she'd be like, what do you care? Like what, what difference does it make? Right. Um, and so again, I think learning it and then applying it, right? So now what do you do with that? So again, like, I love that you have that. So what? Because I always say knowing any of this is not, is a fun part, like a party trick. Oh, you're an Enneagram this. I'm going to, that's great. But in life, what are you doing with this information? How are you using it to be the best version of yourself? The best mom, the best coach, the best whatever it is that you're going to be. Um, and how can you how can you use your gifts to help other people? And so, I mean, I have a bunch of digital stuff on my website and I'll, I'm going to give you guys some links. There's a freebie on there that kind of gives an introduction to how you can provide strat, how I provide strategies for each of the different Enneagram types because they have different blind spots and they have different areas that are like superpowers for them. And so how can you lean into your superpowers and how can you say, okay, these this is the muscle that needs to be worked better? 
So great. That will be so valuable. So we'll include that link in the show notes so people can find that free offer. Okay. Yeah. Well, this has been just a fascinating conversation. Is there anything else you want to share with the audience? Any, any other tips, any closing thoughts or words that you would like us to know? I mean, I think really, I think our clutter, and again, I use that term very broadly. Um, again, it could be the stuff that, you know, the stuff that we don't want in our homes, in our schedules, whatever that looks like. Um, it has so much power over us. And I hate that it does. Like that is just something that I want to remove that and allow people to feel like they're in control. And so when you start to take proactive measures about understanding, like taking a pause instead of, instead of being reactive, it allows us to then say, okay, where do I want to go from here? A lot of times we're all just going, going, going because we have so many things, so many expectations, a lot of demands on us. And so taking time to like really do some introspection, I think can truly pay off and deepen our relationships, which is at the end of the day, what really matters. I mean, the whole purpose of, and I know you talked about this to your people, the whole purpose of having an organized home isn't so that you can just have an organized home. It's so that you can have freedom to spend it with the people that you want and feel good about yourself and and hold space for the things that really truly matter. And this is just another layer in that of helping you get there. Right. I, you know, I love that we've connected. I love that our listeners know about both of us because I think we're both on a mission to do the same thing you talked about earlier, how it's great to just have as many resources as you can, because this is a really wide, deep topic. But um, I'm just thinking about how we're so similar in that organizing your space, organizing your time, organizing your life, you've got to be mindful about it. It's not just to follow some steps and then it's done. You've got to, you know, have some awareness and that's really what is going to help you have those results to have that really amazing life that you're wanting to have. So really, really fun to connect and and for my audience to hear about this Enneagram aspect, this dimension. I think it's so valuable and I'm really excited for everyone to get a chance to try that out and see how that works for them. So go grab your freebie, everyone from Laurie. Find out how your Enneagram type will help you get more organized. And Laurie, thanks so much for coming on the show. It's really been fun to have you. Oh my gosh, it's been such a pleasure to be here. Thank you so much. Thank you. 